Have you ever wanted to see a movie so bad you were willing to see it on even a subpar screen with a bad sound system? Whatever it takes. Hey fam, welcome to a new episode of Stay Watching Mondays at the Movies. As always, I'm your host, Larry. Uh, this week on the podcast, we have a couple of movies that I thought were pretty interesting overall. Um, two of them didn't work out quite as nicely as one would hope for, and one is definitely an early contender for potentially being my favorite movie of the year. Uh, we're gonna see how that turns out. There's still a lot of time left, obviously. Uh, but as of right now, based on kind of what I've seen coming out, uh, I would be surprised if something really takes its place in my mind. And I know that might sound a little bit of hy uh, hyperbolic, um, especially considering how excited I was for this movie already. Uh, but I, for me, it just definitely worked in every way that I, that I needed it to. And it, it told a story that was so poignant that, um, it, it really is going to be hard to dethrone it for me. Uh, but but before, before we get into all of that, the three main movies that I'm going to be talking about this week are Yesterday, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, and uh, the Netflix original movie Beats. And uh, there is another movie that I saw, or I should say saw again uh, this week, uh, The Avengers Endgame. Uh, and I'm not necessarily going to be reviewing it. Uh, as you know, with the relaunch of Stay Watching, we started it off with talking about Avengers Endgame. So I'm not really gonna go too much into the movie, uh, but I will just say, uh, if you were wondering, you know, uh, was this special re-release something that I needed to see? Uh, the short answer is not really, um, unless you really just wanted to see the movie on the big screen again. Uh, there were a couple of interesting uh, kind of behind the scenes aspects that were shared uh, at the very end of the film. And uh, again, like they're not, it's, it's not something that you won't find on the Blu-ray disc if you plan to purchase the movie or if you're, you know, buying it on some online service that, that shows you extra, you know, allows for bonus content or extra scenes. So uh, don't feel bad if you didn't go back and see it. You didn't miss a whole lot, at least nothing that would have augmented the experience of the actual film. So that out of the way, let's get into it. So the first movie that I saw this week is Yesterday, a, a new Danny Boyle directed film starring Hamish Patel and Lily James. And basically the premise of this film is a struggling musician uh, is trying to figure out how to make things work 
when he is involved in an accident and upon waking up, he realizes that the world has forgotten who the Beatles are, or I, I guess maybe more, more specifically, the Beatles have just never existed. Uh, and so what happens when you are the only person who remembers one of the most influential bands of all time? And uh, on paper, the concept is is really interesting and great. Um, you know, who doesn't love a good story about kind of being the only person to remember a thing when it's kind of been wiped out of history? What do you do with that knowledge? Uh, and what do you do with that knowledge when you only have it in passing? Um, I think one of the really interesting parts about this premise is, well, if the Beatles never existed or never came together, if you want to look at it that way, that means they never wrote their songs. And if they never wrote their songs, there's no, there's no record of the music. And so I think that is probably the most interesting conceit of the entire thing. And I guess technically that's a little bit of a spoiler, uh, but I'm not going to say much past that. Um, and you know, again, it's, it's, this movie was a bit, a bit tough for me because while I enjoy aspects of it, I think some of the performances are pretty genuine and, and, you know, heartfelt there was a lot of it that just kind of left me feeling like, oh, well, they only kind of half baked this. They had a great idea. They had some decent performances. They had some all right music. They had Ed Sheeran. Um, so they tried to kind of cobble that together and make it work. And, you know, while it's it, it, it's kind of like a, a I, I, I don't know, I don't want to be too down on this film because I know there's some people that are, are definitely going to enjoy it. Um, in the theater that I was in, there was a, a group of, of, uh, kids. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they were either, you know, late high school or college age kids who really seemed to thoroughly enjoy the movie. Um, and just, you know, past the credits, we're sitting in the theater, just talking about how much they enjoyed it. And I guarantee there's going to be a lot of people that have that same reaction to it. But there are others of us that are going to look at its function and kind of be a little bit underwhelmed. So, you know, from the perspective of it being a love story, it felt a little bit underwhelming. You know, there was there were so many points where it just felt like, oh, they're they're setting up for this love angle, but they're not really putting anything onto it. And it just kind of falls flat in that arena. You know, the the emotional beats that they try to hit are kind of so telegraphed that it never feels surprising and it never feels earned. Um, from the perspective of being a, a science fiction story or a science fantasy story, there are interesting threads that are set up that are never paid off. Um, you know, again, like it's, when you have an interesting concept, you you really need to do everything in your power to make it work and to make it something that is really going to stick with and interest people that that are kind of viewing it. And I feel like it never quite 
does enough to get to that point where you're, you know, thoroughly invested in what is going on or what is happening, um, you know, within that kind of aspect of the story. Uh, there, there are hints to things that are going on that when uh, I'm going to say that they're paid off, when they're paid off, it doesn't feel like you've earned it. Uh, or the film has earned it, and and when I say that, what I'm what I'm really trying to get at is it it struggles to make you understand the way that everything happened and and why it happened. Um, you know, it, it really is just like a what it really feels like is the writer saying we needed this to happen, so it happened. Um, and for me, that's something that's kind of almost unforgivable with the film. You know, as much as I may enjoy the lead, um, you know, despite his, you know, really blank, dumb faces that he makes throughout the film, um, I do think that he and Lily James are, are, are really, really good. Um, but just like kind of the way that their stories meander um, it just really left a lot to be desired for me and it, and it left me feeling kind of, kind of cold despite kind of the positive emotion I think their story was supposed to fill me with. Um, so that's just something to, to kind of, kind of feast on. The other thing too is like, all right, so it's a movie about someone who has knowledge of the Beatles despite the rest of the world having no knowledge of the Beatles. And so obviously you're like, oh, there's gonna have there's gonna have Beatles songs in it. Uh, for me, even though I liked some of the renditions of the songs, um, this is one of those things where it's always hard to recapture the magic that is kind of specific musicians, specific bands, uh, discography. And, and that was one of the things that I, I kind of felt with this film. It was, it was really tough, uh, partially because I just felt like they didn't do a good enough job with the music. It, it didn't feel like it had the same reverence that the film was supposed to the film was positing that the the main character had for that music uh and and to be real it didn't even do a good job of showing that he loved the beatles music and so um it was something that that felt really really off to me and you know again while there are aspects of this film that i enjoy and that i felt were done well um, that was another part that just kind of felt flat for me. Um, and the other thing, uh, Ed Sheeran. So it, it, it was a really interesting choice to have Ed Sheeran in this movie. Um, he's, he, he's got a, he's got a pretty sizable role in it. Uh, I wasn't expecting him to be such a big part of it. Um, they had used him in the trailer. So I thought he was going to kind of be like a one-off gag, but like he is actually a character in this film. Um, he's not terrible. Um, as much as I, I kind of 
don't understand his popularity or, you know, kind of why he has the following he does. Um, I think he does a pretty good job. Uh, he has some pretty good comedic moments that I thought worked pretty well, uh, mostly playing off of like this seeming self-deprecating kind of humor, which I don't know is if it's real or not. Um, but it, it did kind of work nicely within the context of this film. Um, and then the other kind of surprise person who I didn't really know was in this film is uh, Kate McKinnon, uh, who is playing uh, Ed Sheeran's manager. Um, and uh, she is a very interesting character, really, you know, uh, as you can imagine, uh, this is not a spoiler because every single music movie that is out there, you look at them from Bohemian Rhapsody to Rocket Man, you know, whether it's a biopic or not, uh, the manager is just about always some form of villain. And that is still the case here. Um, though I did like some of what they did with her and I felt like they gave her some really good comedic moments that were able to incite some laughter. Uh, but again, like this film overall is definitely a mileage may vary type of film. Um, so if you love the music of the Beatles, you're just kind of interested in seeing what they do with this, or you're interested in seeing, you know, another Danny Boyle film, which it, his films are all over this, all over the place. The, the man literally has directed so many different types of film. I don't know if he has a specific style at this point um, because none of them feel like they fit together. And if you were going to look at an entire list of his films, you would probably be just as confused as I am seeing that he was the director on this film. Um, so, yeah. Um, again, some people are going to probably love this film. Some people are going to be indifferent. Uh, and I, I'm sure there's going to be a small group that absolutely hates this film. You know, again, I don't think it's terrible. I just wish they had done a better job on some core aspects that really could have brought it up uh, considerably. So the next film uh, is the film that I have been excited for since kind of first seeing a trailer for it and hearing that it was coming out. That film is The Last Black Man in San Francisco, uh, directed by Joe Talbot and uh, starring Jimmy Fails. And this film is was interesting to me for a few reasons. You know, first of all, you know, whenever I see a film with uh, you know, a predominantly black cast uh, that is kind of within, you know, what, what we'll just kind of refer to as, as the kind of art house scene. Um, it gets me really interested in seeing where is that going? You know, oftentimes still uh, black folks aren't necessarily the center of films that kind of exist in that space, you know, despite having, you know, successes like Moonlight um, that definitely are, are within that vein. Um, it's still a space that seems like it's very hard to see black faces in predominant roles in. Um, and while the director of the film may not be black, um, 
it is inherently a black film um, centering around a fictionalized version of the life of star Jimmy Fields and and kind of looking at his relationship with the city of San Francisco. And so the basic premise of this film is that Jimmy is searching for a home or I guess a, a better way of saying it is a sense of home in a place that doesn't seem to want him and is actively trying to remove him. Um, and so it's just looking at the trailers, you know, obviously if you know a little bit about San Francisco, gentrification is a major kind of topic in this film without ever objectively being stated. And it's this idea that the culture of a place is shifting and the complexion of a place is shifting. And how do you kind of work through that? How do you still maintain that a place is, is your home when everything that reflects you is removed from that place? Everything about it no longer kind of bears your mark or resembles what you remember it being. Um, and I found that despite the film kind of being so uniquely focused on San Francisco and, and Fillmore and, and the world that existed there, um, it is such a universal story. You know, sometimes the kind of, you know, more specific something is, the more universal it is. And I think this is something that that really is at play here. Um, you know, and I know that's something that, that, again, people somewhat struggle with, especially when you have, you know, non-white protagonists putting that story out there, you know, because it's a black man's perspective will people kind of receive that messaging differently even though it is kind of this universal uh, almost coming of age story where you're searching for your meaning your purpose your place um but because because of who's in it will that prevent people from really seeing it for what it is uh and i know that's that's not necessarily about the movie that's more about the reception to the film um but i i, I really found myself wanting to say that or wanting to talk about that idea because you know the experience that i had with this film and where i went to see it um the audience that was there was almost all white with the exception of one older black couple and a few uh younger you know ethnically ambiguous let me say uh patrons who were also in the theater and at the end of the film an older white woman you know seemingly confused about what had happened in the film even though it's it was just pretty pretty straightforward you know was just kind of exclaiming that you know she she didn't expect the movie to be like it was she didn't seem to enjoy it and you know had this you know scathing quote that if i knew this film was going to be like this i would have just seen Pavarotti for a third time and it, it kind of left me in this place where you know 
I enjoyed this film thoroughly. I thought it was artfully done. And, and other people in the theater thought it was artfully done as well. I mean, uh, I was sitting in the back of the theater and when I heard this comment made, like I just kind of had this really disgusted look on my face and, and someone who was leaving the theater noticed uh, and waited for me to exit the theater. Uh, and to have a conversation with me about it. And, you know, it was it was another older white woman and she was one kind of just appalled by what this other woman said. And two was just like trying to wrap her head around it because, you know, like myself had this very different reaction to the film, like seeing its beauty, seeing, you know, kind of the challenge that it was presenting to us as an audience and to our perspectives. And it's just, it's just one of those things where I, I just don't understand. Sometimes I don't understand why people feel the need to disturb the viewing experiences of others in that way. Um, and, and I, and I know that's like, it might be, it might seem like a, a weird stance to, to take, you know, I, like everybody is entitled to their opinions and I, and I love for people to, uh, you know, express them and, you know, technically speaking, uh, I was in a theater situation, not dissimilar from this, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, when I had mentioned whatever movie that was, that's completely left my mind or oh, that the souvenir, uh, we, we were in a similar situation where almost the entire theater hated the movie and, and it was verbalized and vocalized by people leaving the theater. And, you know, there's, there's that part of me that's like, have that conversation when you leave that theater. There's also the part of me that, you know, kind of welcomes that type of dialogue, but there's also the part of me that feels uncomfortable where, you know, I would love to engage in a discussion about why she felt that way, but in, an, in a lot of ways, much to the film's points in some ways, is this my place to do so? Do I still have, you know, the, the means to do this in this location when I am not necessarily seen as welcome in this space? Um, you know, can I do that here? And, and I think that's something that was kind of really interesting and, and really kind of kept going through my mind on my drive home and as I slept last night and when I woke up this morning and when I sat down to record this podcast, it's just like almost that haunting feeling of, you know, again, like just getting back to what the film was talking about. Like, where do you belong when it feels like you belong nowhere? Where do you have a voice when it feels like your voice has been taken away from you? How do you express yourself when it feels like no form of expression is allowed of you? Uh, you know, and, and all of those things, like the film just artfully does all of, provides all of those messages or asks all of those questions and really gets you to think about them. You know, what is the meaning of family? Who is your family when it feels like your family is no longer yours or doesn't value you or doesn't see you. Um, 
And again, I haven't even talked about the film that much, but like realistically, it's 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 gorgeous. It's it's so beautifully shot. The the photographic direction is uh, uncanny. The way that different shots are built, the way that the camera moves in some sequences, the framing, the color, the light, all of it is just gorgeous. Um, the musical score is brilliant. Um, the performances, uh, some of them are, are, are really masterful. Uh, for, for someone who is kind of coming into their own uh, uh, or, or whose role is their first role, Jimmy Fails, the main character and the main actor who this story is, is based on a fictionalized version of his life, like he breathes a very specific energy into his character, this almost blankness, but at the same time, this hopeful naivety yet wisdom that just it, it just felt really invigorating to watch his character and you know offsetting him his best friend in this film uh montgomery who i'm blanking on the actor's name uh, and you know as as always i really should be coming into these things with more notes but you know his off-kilter artistic nature he's a playwright he's an actor he is an illustrator the things that he brings though very understated and quiet at times are masterful and brilliant and you know for me perhaps one of the most interesting and entertaining characters in the film um just because of the way that you see him observing the world in such a different way than Jimmy and just his outlook on life and, you know, outright devotion to his friend. Because the other thing outside of being this kind of coming of age tale for, for Jimmy in a sense is it is a tale of true friendship and this bond that Jimmy and Montgomery have. And you know, that transcendent nature of a truly great friendship uh, and what that can mean for you in a situation that's less than ideal. Um, and I just thought, I thought their relationship was so beautifully uh, acted, so beautifully written uh, and so beautifully performed just generally. And, and again, the way that it was filmed and shot, the callbacks that the film makes to earlier scenes involving these two characters and and the way that the way that is that it rhymes is just so poetic and beautiful and yeah i mean i, I again like this film right now is my favorite film of the year i think it is one of the best films that i've seen in a very long time you know and like yeah, it's it's up there. It, it, it really is. I mean, uh, I know a lot of people who've listened to me know that like two of the two of my favorite films uh, from last year were um, Sorry to Bother You and Blind Spotting. This year, you know, The Last Black Man in San Francisco is is definitely on my list with those films. 
you know, and really, you know, again, looking at these different types of black experiences and the way that they're committed to screen so lovingly and so differently, the fact that we can have such nuanced black characters on screen and not everybody is just kind of a caricature of the same thing you know and again not to say that there's anything wrong with those caricatures in the right hands or within the context of the right films because you know the last black man in san francisco has some of that but it also approaches those specific characters in a very nuanced way so you understand why they're being shown the way they are um, and what purpose they have in the greater context of the film. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about this film. Uh, what I will say, however, is I understand that some audiences will not have the same reverence of this film that I did and that other people that I know have. Um, but if you feel that this is the type of film that you would enjoy and the things that I said resonate with you and, and are things that you want to see from a film, I think you'll definitely enjoy this. You know, again, watch the trailer. If you see the trailer and you think that this is something that you would enjoy, definitely let me know. And if you feel that way and you go and see it and you don't like it, I'd also like to hear that. I'd really want to hear what your reaction to this film is. Uh, did it work for you? Did it not work for you? Um, yeah, uh, I, I honestly could have made an entire podcast on just that film uh, and maybe maybe I will someday. I, I'm actually thinking about doing a, a revised or a new, you know, kind of black media podcast episode, um, kind of looking into kind of more recent developments and what we've seen since the last time I recorded one. Um, but we shall see, because uh, there's one more movie that I need to talk about. And Honestly, this last one, I don't have as much reverence for as I did The Last Black Man in San Francisco, uh, but I thought it was an interesting watch, uh, despite having some issues. Um, and that movie is Beats. It's a Netflix original film starring Anthony Anderson. Um, and basically, this movie is the story of a young man named August who has an incredibly traumatic experience that leaves him with PTSD. And the only kind of salvation that he seems to be able to find is through music. Um, and I think the important part that I kind of left out of the premise is that it takes place in uh, Chicago, in the south side of Chicago. Um, and so the backdrop of this film is kind of like the everyday violence that youth in Chicago are faced with um, and kind of the need to find ways of coping with that. And so I felt that the kind of PTSD element of that was a really interesting way to look at August's experiences and the fact that each person reacts to trauma differently. 
and folks that were in similar situations to him, not even necessarily having the same kind of extreme response to those happenings that he did. And it really made me think about, you know, kind of the interpersonal physiology and mentality that causes trauma to be experienced differently by different people. Um, and that kind of led me to really wishing the film had done more with that. So while his PTSD is a central aspect of the film and they do a really good job of showing some of the ways that his anxiety manifests and it affects him and the way that he is challenged by those things. I don't think they necessarily do enough to look at kind of real world mechanisms to combat that PTSD. Um, you know, and, and again, like I know this is something that there are so many different ways of kind of approaching, but it was interesting to me that, you know, not once within this film, you know, is any sort of doctor or counselor shown. And, you know, to that point, I understand that where they are may play a role in that. You know, I, I'm not from the South side of Chicago. I don't, I won't claim to know what that world is like, uh, but I could understand if that was part of the reasoning for that to be absent from this film. You know, he is in a single parent home. It's, it's shown that they have money problems. So there is that aspect that it just may not be something that was in the cards for them. Um, and so I get that. Uh, but beyond that, uh, kind of the driving force within this film is Anthony Anderson's character, who is a school security guard who ends up being charged uh, with a mission to try to bring delinquent students back to the school because of budgeting issues. Basically, these truant students need to appear in school or else, you know, they're losing money if those students aren't there. Uh, and that kind of puts him on a collision course with uh, August. Um, and, you know, he, in a sense, kind of serves as that, that kind of that catalyst for change in August's life um, and everything that comes with that. And so I, I thought their relationship was was pretty well done from their kind of initial encounter to the way that it evolves. And, you know, for me, I felt like that was the almost the most effective part of this film, because narratively speaking, there are so many corners that feel like they're cut throughout it that I was just like, well, they're they're going to do this. Oh, wait, they did it. Cool. Let's move on to the next thing. Um, and, it, and it's really sad because like conceptually, I think this film has a really great idea 
It has great performances. The music is is good. It's not as good as it as it could be, you know, for a movie about making beats and, and making music. I, I was hoping for a little bit more. Um, but that said, like, I mean, I, I think they did an all right job of taking something that is pretty rote, is pretty paint by numbers and and putting a little bit of a different spin on it. Um, you know, again, like there's stuff to be desired, you know, not everything that is made is going to be high art. I do think the film has a good message, uh, but there are certain character turns that felt unnecessary and ultimately felt unresolved um, to the point where you question, you know, when the film reaches its conclusion, why things would have been allowed to be the way that they are in the end, because where things were left, you know, basically before that, um, it doesn't seem like they would be there. Uh, and so I, I really found myself questioning why certain decisions in the film were made uh, because they ultimately felt like they kind of took away from it. Um, there's also some subplots um, with Anthony Anderson's character specifically that really felt unrewarding and unnecessary and ultimately um, when they are, we'll say that they're resolved, uh, they again felt unearned. Um, and I think that's something in film, or not even unearned. Um, you know, not to say that every film's characters need satisfying conclusions, but they were so unsatisfying that they felt like they actively took away from his character's place in the story and worked against where the story ultimately ended up. And what it made me wonder is if there was actually more film here that just disappeared or that they ended up taking out. Uh, and I'd be really interested to see, you know, was this how it was always meant to be or was there, you know, kind of a an extra beat that just got dropped in this film. Um, but, you know, again, what I would say is, you know, and this is, you know, I don't want this to sound like I, I am making excuses for Netflix films every, every week, but, you know, again, for that kind of, for that, what I'll call low tier Netflix film area, you know, cause I, I think to a degree, Netflix films have differing levels and you can see it both in terms of budget uh, and in terms of, you know, kind of what the end product is like Roma is like the highest tier Netflix film that you're going to get. Um, something like, uh, you know, your, your always be my maybes, your beats, things like that are really like this kind of mid to low tier where it's clear that like there is there is production behind it. There are names behind it. There is something good and valuable about these films. They can be good. They can be great. They can be enjoyable, uh, but they're not something that would probably make it to cinema. And if it did, they would not make money. Um, and usually that's for good reasons. Um, you know, in some cases, it's just because either the subject matter or, you know, again, the faces that are starring in these films aren't the ones that 
you know, audiences are going to pay hundreds of millions of dollars to go see, uh, which in some cases is just sad. Uh, but it is something to kind of take into consideration and to remember about these films. And, you know, kind of as such, as this kind of like new version of the made for TV movies, because like, let, let me put this in perspective. Like, I feel that these Netflix films, like a lot of people like Steven Spielberg will say that they are essentially made for TV movies. And I think that does them a disservice because I think these Netflix films are a hundred times better than made for TV movies in a lot of cases. And, and while there might be production ideas that are shared between the two, I think there is an overall quality benefit that these Netflix films have. And despite not 100% enjoying where a story may go or everything about a film, I think that these are good films and they are worth watching. And, you know, and, and in saying that, I think Beats can be something that is worth watching for a specific audience who is looking for this type of film. You know, so like if you are into kind of the hip hop culture, hip hop scene, you're going to find some enjoyment in this film. If you're interested in stories about cities that are not your own, about people who are living different experiences or who are dealing with trauma uh, in different ways than you have, you know, this is going to be something that's going to be interesting for you. Um, it can be a somewhat triggering movie. You know, I, I, the, the extremely, extremely uh traumatizing moment that august is faced with is is something that i know people have had to deal with and seeing it committed to screen is going to be something that that challenges a lot of people and and may you know trigger something in them so it's definitely some a film that i would i would kind of warn you going into that you know that that moment, that trauma is going to be familiar for a lot of people. And, and if you're, if you're thinking about Chicago and the South side of Chicago, not to, you know, play into, you know, everything that we are told about that place, you know, or about Chicago, you know, you can, you can probably imagine what that, that moment is. And so, um, I think it's I think it's a film that can be worth watching, but again, your your mileage is going to vary on this one. And you know, and I and I I would say I hope that people give it a chance uh, because I think there is something there that you know, if the whole thing doesn't quite work, at least the central relationship between Anthony Anderson's character Romello and the the main kind of boy in the film August. If not everything works in the film, at least their relationship works. And I enjoyed watching the two of them together on screen. Um, and I think they do some really great stuff with this one. So, you know, while I won't say that it's, you know, this A plus film, um, I do think it's it's I do think it's solid in, in enough ways to make it worth recommending. And so I'll be right back, fam. Thank you. 
so those were my thoughts on yesterday, The Last Black Man in San Francisco and the Netflix original film Beats. So as always, I would really love to hear what your thoughts are on those films. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Did you like those films more than I did, less than I did? Um, hit me up on social media pretty much everywhere at LarryTron uh, or via email Larry at LM2Photo.com. Uh, I really would love to hear your thoughts. Um, I know, I know you've probably been missing regular episodes of Stay Watching and they will be coming back. Don't you worry. Uh, but as you can imagine, the summer is also a time for me to get a little bit of rest in, work on other projects that I've been looking to work on. And so I also know that you all are going on vacations and things like that. And, and while I'm sure you would love to have my voice in your ears as you drive down to the beach or the shore or whatever you call it, um, I also need to give my time myself some time to rest and everything like that. And so um, I do have an episode that I plan to talk about just that. Um, you know, it's kind of a redux on my kind of burnout and take time to rest episode uh updated for you know this year uh so i will be kind of bringing that back um so you will be hearing something outside of mondays in the movies in your feed uh soon uh probably after the holiday because let's be real this week is the fourth of july when you're listening when this is uh coming out and so outside of spending time with family and going to see midsummer spider-man and something else that i probably haven't even thought of yet um there's not going to be a whole lot of time for a lot of else so um yeah um other things, uh, as I've been telling you for the last few weeks, I am now a part of the Hard Knock Media Collective, uh, which is basically the uh, podcast and multimedia end of the Nerds of Color, which is basically your place for all things nerdy from people of color, uh, both from creators of color and of, you know, kind of cultural commentators of color who are reacting to the great nerdy things that are out there or the not so great nerdy things. And so we have a lot of great podcasts, including Hard Knock Life, uh, which is basically the flagship podcast of Nerds of Color, DC TV Classics that looks at the history of DC Comics kind of foray into TV. Uh, as well as uh, podcasts like Southern Fried Asians that looks at the experience of the Asian Americans in the U.S. South. Uh, so lots of great stuff there. Check it out. HardNOCmedia.com. Uh, tons of great podcasts. As I'll, I, I'll be sharing more about some once I get back to my regular kind of podcasting schedule. Um Outside of that, I don't really have any other new announcements for you. Um, you know, like I said, I already plugged my social media, but if you have suggestions for upcoming episodes or things that you would love to hear me talk about or things that you would love to hear me talk about with a guest, or if you want to be a guest, like I said, hit me up at Larry Tron pretty much everywhere on social media or Larry at LM2Photo.com. Um, definitely looking for people to have some good conversations with. Um, outside of that, uh, definitely please make sure you rate and review this podcast. Uh, letting other people know what you think about it helps other people find it. 
Um, and I would love for more people to be able to listen, you know, like I said, or like I always say, this is a labor of love. So, you know, it's not like, um, having tons and tons of listens is really what I'm doing this for. But at the same time, if I can expose more people to the show and get their thoughts on it and kind of extend that conversation to them, I would really love to do so. So that's pretty much it. As always, stay watching fam. Peace.